the time? He absolutely is. Absolutely. Um, So I want to share with you guys, a couple of months ago, most of you probably know that we had a youth conference. We had the first youth conference, um, as far as I know, that we've hosted here in a long time. And it was was amazing. It was amazing. It was in July. Yes. Yes. There you go, youth. It was it was awesome. We had a we had a, a brother of ours, Pastor Joel, come in from Singapore, and he was sharing the word, and man, he knocked it out of the park. It was it was such a mighty word after word after word. It was it was really powerful. Um, one time in particular really struck me. It was one a, a lot of the things he said struck me, but there was one thing at the end, the last day, that he shared that really impacted me, um, and the central message was getting getting closer to God. Now, I, I get the fact that we hear about that every Sunday, We uh, the youth hear about that every Wednesday, we're constantly hearing about getting closer to God, and that's something that we should be striving for every day, um, but the way he presented it was really interesting, and I really liked it a lot. He basically presented it in such a fashion for us to make practical steps, we within our minds to come up with practical steps that we can take to get closer to God. But not just leave it there. And this was the part that really got me. He said, write it down. And as I started studying, I'm like, man, that's biblical. Even in Habakkuk, it talks about writing down the vision and making it plain. So I was like, okay, this is for me. I need to do this. So as, as he was preaching, he gave us a little bit of time to take steps in our minds of things that we can do to get closer to God. Now, I liked it because that's kind of all-encompassing. It, it's for the person who is maybe not doing anything at the moment in their relationship with God, but it's also for the individual that is currently seeking God. There's always more we can do. So it was one of those things that as he was talking, I was like, okay, what steps can Chris take to get closer to God? You know, for the person who's not praying, well, start praying. That's, that's a good place to start. For the person that's not reading their word, start reading your word. It's a good place to start. Um, However, for those of us that maybe are doing something, we are praying, we are seeking God through our, our reading of the word. Well, there's other steps that we can take to get deeper into God's Word. You know, if you're praying five minutes a day, in our Go book, which this is a plug, if you haven't been through the Go book, do it. It's amazing. Um, In the Go book, we talk about 10 minutes with God a day for the new believer, spending five minutes in prayer and five minutes reading the Bible. So let's say you are reading your Word for five minutes. You're reading a chapter of day. Well, bump it up to two chapters. Just writing this down, practical things that we can do to get closer to God. If you're praying five minutes a day, we'll potentially bump it up to six next week. And then the following week, start praying seven minutes. By the end of the year, you'll be praying 52 minutes. That's pretty good. That's an hour of prayer a day. That's, that's pretty good. So I, I did this. I wrote it down. I wrote down the steps that I was going to be taking for myself to get deeper in my relationship with God. And let me tell you, it's been extremely helpful because I come back to it and it challenges me. It challenges me every time. Am I doing what I said I would do on a daily basis to get deeper in my relationship with God? Now, that's not my preaching, but I'm laying a foundation here. I would challenge you that when you leave today, think about those things that you want to do to get closer to God Write it down. Write it down. You have something to come back to. Put it in your phone. Like Pastor was saying, we're in our phones a lot. So maybe putting it in your phone would be a good place. On your, write it with lipstick in your bathroom mirror or whatever. On your fridge. It doesn't matter. Just things that you can do to come back 
and be able to read what it is that you want to do to get closer to God. So like I said, I've been doing these things. I've been, I've been going back, looking at what God was speaking to me, and taking those steps to get deeper into my relationship with God. And how many know that God is faithful? Yes. God is absolutely faithful, and it's okay to clap. God is absolutely, absolutely faithful. And, um, and he's been speaking to me. He's been speaking to me quite a bit lately. And, and I would challenge you as you, this is a parenthesis, by the way, as you start getting deeper in your relationship with God, as you start implementing those things that God has been speaking to you, share with us. Share with me. I want to know. Share with your pastors. What is God speaking to you? What's he telling you about your life? What's he telling you about your ministry, about your family? I want to know. We want to know as a pastoral team what God is speaking to you guys. It, it encourages us. It, it, it lifts us up. It allows us to really just be encouraged knowing that God is speaking to his people. So tell us. Tell us. Share with us what God is speaking with you. We want to know. Close parentheses. So as God's been speaking to me, he's been speaking to me several different things. And I, I went to pastor not too long ago and I was sharing with him some of the things that God has been putting in my heart. And, and well, he asked me to come share them with you today. So that's what I'm going to do. Uh, I'd ask everybody to go to John 13 verses 34 and 35. John 13 verses 34 and 35. I still hear pages rustling. Everybody there? John 13, verses 34 and 35. I'm going to be reading this one out of the New International Version. And it says the following. A new command I give you. Love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's a powerful verse. Now, when we think about God's essence, when we think about the character of God, I want you to take a minute right now to think about the character of God. And what are some things that come to your mind? When you start thinking about the quality, the essence, the character of God, what are some of those adjectives, some of those words that come to your mind? Think about it. The character of God. The essence of God. Powerful, somebody up here said. Absolutely. Forgiving. God is a forgiving God. Loving. What was that? Faithful. Faithful. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Good. Just. He is our redeeming God. He is uh, an all-knowing God. He is the God who provides for us. You know, the Bible has a list of things. God is our, our standard. God is our ever-present help in time of need. All of these things describe the essence of God. And they're all true. When we start looking a little bit deeper, we notice that there's one that stands out above all else. And somebody here said it. And it's love. It's love. The Bible in 1 John 4, 8 says that God is love. God is love. It's not just a character quality that belongs to him. It's not just one of his facets. It's his core essence. It's what makes up God. God is love. You know, how many mathematicians do we have here? I probably get zero hands. Yep. Okay. I've got like three. A four. Awesome. So in math, we know that the equal signs is, is. Four plus four is eight. Four plus four equals eight. So God equals love. God's 
the love is, is not just a facet of who God is, but it's his core. It's the core of who God is. God is love. Now, when we look in the Bible, there's all sorts of different types of love, you know, but the one I want to talk about today is agape love, that all-consuming love. You know, love is a word that in our culture, it's been, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's been contorted. It's been changed. Love is a word that in our day and age, in our culture, has shifted the meaning. It's not necessarily what the Bible meant it to be. It's more of do whatever you want. You know, if it feels good, that's got to be okay. You know, that love should satisfy our flesh. And what I want to present to you today is that that's not the biblical definition of what love is. When we start looking at love in the context of God being love, we have to examine a little bit closer what love truly is. And I think a good definition is found in 2 Corinthians 13. We all know it, and I'm going to read it today. I mean, I've heard this at how many weddings? I've heard this at a lot of different places. The definition of love in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 13 says love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Let, let's highlight that one. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love is not a superficial thing. Love is, is something deeper. You know, I, I think about John 3.16 where it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall not die but have everlasting life. That's... that's that's powerful. When we start looking at love in that context, it really changes what we think about it. And I want to read the verse that I started with one more time. John 13, 34, and 35. It says, A new commandment I give you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, when we start considering that verse, and when we look at the context of John 13, we start noticing a couple of things. We notice that the chapter starts off with Jesus washing the disciples' feet. So the disciples all come together, and Jesus is washing their feet. Then you have Peter, right? Peter, the, the impulsive one. He reminds, reminds me a little bit of me. When Peter comes, and he's like, nah, Jesus, you can't wash my feet. How's that going to be? Nah, you're not, you're not going to wash my feet. Jesus is like, all right, Peter, but if I don't wash your feet, you've got no part in me. Okay. In that case, wash my head too. <laughs> Sit down, Peter. You've already bathed. I just need to wash your feet. Okay, so Jesus washes Peter's feet and the rest of the disciples. And then we see the next part where Jesus singles out or, or releases the person that is supposed to betray him. So he releases Judas Iscariot to go do what he needs to do and betray Jesus. And then the next thing we have is that they are breaking the bread, they're doing what they're doing as far as the Last Supper is concerned, and Jesus then tells them what he tells them about loving one another. Interestingly enough, is who he's with at that time. The individuals that are with him at that moment, it's his clique. It's as the kids would say, his squad. His 
compadres, his inner circle, his intimate friends. It's his 11. It's Jesus and his 11 disciples, the people he's been walking with for three and a half years, the people who have been closest to him through his walking ministry. It's his 11 disciples. And what he's telling them is that you guys need to love one another. And by the way you love one another, others will know that you are my disciple. But y'all need to love each other. Are we supposed to love our neighbor? Absolutely. Are we supposed to serve and do works? Absolutely. Because faith without works is dead. But right here, what God is highlighting is the fact that as his children, as his disciples, we need to love one another. And we need to demonstrate our love one for another. Because that's how others, according to Jesus, will know that we are his disciples. By the way, we love one now that tells me a few things that tells me that there might be times where we're not so lovable right that tells me that there might be a moment where it might not be easy to love my brother because of whatever the circumstance might be but it's a mandate Jesus is telling us love one another it's not saying if you choose to if you would like to if your brother is easily to love it doesn't say any of that it says you are to love one another and others there's a consequence to it and others will know that you are my disciples by the love that you have one for another let me tell you brothers there might be times when we're not easy to love there might be times when you're not easy to love but the command has been given and it's to love one another and there is a payout for it there is a payout and the payout is that others will know that we are Jesus' disciples you know in, in my in my in my secular role in my job i work with a lot of individuals who um, have been a, a rough patch in their lives people who by many of us would be considered down and out individuals who are maybe struggling um with just life circumstances and and within my my role um spirituality is something that's that very often comes up and it's actually it's encouraged um to have these conversations about spirituality and about about what an individual believes um and and some of these conversations tend to be really interesting you know whether it be with individuals i work with or whether it be on a personal level these talks um have really highlighted something in my mind and the fact is this I've come across a lot of people who are potentially angry with God a lot of people who are maybe feeling like God abandoned them individuals who just question whether God does exist and when I'm having conversations with these individuals first of all I approach it from a place of not knowing so it's I don't, I don't go into these conversations with a judgmental mind made up but I really want to explore this like why is it that you believe this what happened to you that you believe what you just told me you believe and when I've come at it from this frame of mind we've been able to really delve into some deep conversations and what I've noticed about some of and I'm not going to say all of them, but a lot of these people who I've had this conversation with is that they've been hurt. They've been hurt. They've been hurt by the church many times. Um, maybe they had a certain expectation that was not lived up to. And, and a lot of the people that I've spoken to in particular have been hurt by the church. There's one guy in particular, close, close individual to me, um, that he was saying that he used to be a faithful Christian. Um, he would go to church every day. He had his relationship with God. But something happened. Um, 
he ended up going through a divorce and he was part of a men's group and he felt like the church abandoned him he felt like his men's group gave him his back the back and and he really felt hurt by the things that the church did to him and that's caused him to really reach a place where he he doesn't want anything to do with God or with the church and I'm like man that that's that's a shame that's that's a shame because I tell you what we as people we're imperfect we as humans we're not we're not perfect there's only one that is perfect and that's Jesus you know Jesus is a safe place for us to run to and we as disciples of Jesus have the power within the way we demonstrate our love one to another to create an atmosphere where Jesus becomes attractive to people to run to when they're in a place of hurting when they're in a place that they feel broken they feel like there are no uh, earthly things to turn to they can turn to Jesus but if we don't have that love within us then it makes it kind of like off-putting we have the power within us with the way we show one another our love to make it something that people want to come to Jesus because at the end of the day Jesus is what the world needs yeah. Jesus is what individuals need we all need Je yeah that's okay we can clap because the truth is that the world needs Jesus the world needs Jesus my friends now I know this isn't like a, a, a hallelujah amen type of preaching but man there's a lot of truth to that there's a lot of truth to the fact that we have power by the way we show one another our love that we can make God attractive to other people because God said it within his word and I've read it twice already that if you love one another you are to love one another and by your love others will know that you are my disciples others will know that you are my disciples now I was talking with somebody the other day and and and, uh, and something very true came up and it's the fact that we live in a time in a world um, in a culture where people where people get offended very easily and somebody I was talking to the other day mentioned the word recreationally offended and I thought that was hilarious I thought that that was funny recreationally offended and we are you can't say anything nowadays that won't offend somebody you know somebody will be offended by absolutely anything you say and there's a lot of truth to that um, but the people that I've spoken to and the people that, that I have in mind right now um, and that God was really ministering to me were people who felt betrayed people who felt genuinely hurt by the church they opened themselves up to a place of vulnerability and then were shut down or ridiculed or given the back and that's that's something that I feel is, is, a, is a big shame because again as the church we have power to attract people to Jesus by the way we love one another now how can we show our love to one another there's a lot of different things that we can do and John 15 13 says it nicely it says greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friend let me read it again greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends you know a while ago I mentioned the way this this Bible chapter starts and it starts with Jesus washing his disciples' feet. I believe uh, a lot of things that I read in the Bible are intentional. And I believe there was a lot of intentionality to the way, to the way Jesus worked. Um, and, and what's interesting is that it starts off with Jesus washing his disciples' feet. You know, I really believe that one of the ways that we can show our love one another 
is when we serve our brothers. Amen. In our service. The way we serve one another. I have a whole series that I made several years ago about serving, about servant leader, and about service in itself. Today I just want to touch briefly on it. And it's the fact that when we serve one another, we take the focus off ourselves and we put it in that person, onto that person to whom we're serving. When we serve ourselves in a certain way, we're humbling ourselves. And in humbling ourselves, we're laying down ourselves to lift somebody else up. You know, so when, when I read that word, you know, and we spoke about John 3.16 earlier, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not die, but shall have everlasting life. I, I think about that and I'm like, that's, that's powerful. That's powerful because Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us and he literally gave his life. It wasn't taken from him. He literally gave it over that we might have eternal life. So are we called to die literally for our brethren? Well, that call might be upon us one day, but I'm not even going to that extreme at this moment. I think that by laying down our lives in service for one another is one of the greatest ways that we can show love one for another through our service, through our acts of kindness, through those things that we do when nobody is looking, through those things that we do without expecting a recompense. You know, all of those things that we do in private, God lifts up. And serving our brother is one of the greatest things that we can do. You know, there's a lot of service opportunities here within the church that we can serve. There's a lot of service opportunities within the community that we can do and serve. The focus is serving on our brothers, putting ourselves in a place of humility so that we can lift up our brother or our sister. Now, it doesn't even necessarily need to be somebody who is in a maybe worse situation than us, but we can serve somebody who is in a better situation than us. The thing is just having that heart of service, that heart of being a servant, you know? In, in Spanish, there's a, there's a saying that says, no te humilles, which is, it's hard to translate, but it's basically don't, don't let anybody humble you, which doesn't translate properly, but it's about taking a posture of humility. It's about you yourself willingly taking that position of humbling yourself, not thinking so highly of yourself, but knowing that, that you have something to offer and that through your service, you're showing love to your neighbor. I mean, again, the Bible says it, faith without works is dead. God looks for us to use our faith and to put it into action to serve one another. And I would challenge you, I would challenge you to do, not that you're not doing anything, and that's not what I want to imply, but to look for something else that you can do to serve your brother, to look for something else that you can do in service to your brethren, whether it be out here at church, whether it be in the community, in your neighborhood, in your job, some way that you can serve. Let me tell you, that's something that, that really shifts people's thinking when they see you doing something for no absolute reason, for, for, for seemingly nothing at all besides wanting to serve them. Sometimes it even brings up question marks like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what, what's going on? What's your ulterior motive? It's like nothing, man. I'm just here to serve. You know, it, it really does shift the way people think, and and it can cause conversations. I have this one coworker who I'm constantly doing things to try to 
just to serve this brother, to serve him. And he's not a believer, but I'm, I'm constantly doing things to just make his life a little bit easier. And that's led to conversations about my faith. Now, he's at a place where, again, he's been hurt by the church, so he's kind of off-put. But he wrote to me yesterday, and he sent me an email, and the email was this. Hey, Chris, one of the people that I work with is looking for somebody to discuss the Bible with. Would you be really willing to meet with them? Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. Absolutely will. And because he knows there's something different. There's something, there's something different there. And it's without ulterior motives, man. It's just a heart to serve and to lift an individual up. So it's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, service. Service, in my mind, is one of the simplest ways that we can give our life over in love. Through service. And I will challenge you. Come up with something. There's many areas of service that we have within our church. And I know almost pretty much everybody here is involved in something. And, and we bless you. We thank you for it. Um, but look for something else. Look for something else that you can get involved in, even within the community. Some act of service to show, to show your love one for another. Now, our church in particular has a really cool dynamic, something really interesting that we're about to start in about a week or so to be able to really breed that and to ferment that love. And it's small groups. And yes, I'm going to do a plug for small groups. Absolutely. Small groups is a great place for us to be able to develop those relationships, to be able to show our love one for another. Um, it, it's a unique structure that you don't find in many in other places, but it creates that intimacy. It creates a safe space. Somewhere where I know, man, these three, four, five, six brothers of mine, I know they got my back. I know that they care for me. I know that they're genuinely interested in my well-being. So it creates that space for me to be open, for me to be vulnerable, for me to be able to share those things that maybe I don't necessarily share with that many people for fear of being ridiculed, ostracized, or for fear of just that vulnerability in itself. And, and maybe that's not your thing, vulnerability, but maybe you can be there for somebody else who needs to share that vulnerability. And you're a prayer warrior, man. And you can go before God and cry out to him for this brother. It creates a space for us to be able to deepen those relationships. It creates a space for us to do things together as a church, to live our lives together, which is part of it. It's living life together, small groups, give us that space. And it also gives us the place to be able to serve people. You know, some of the small groups like Men of Action that meet on Saturdays, they serve together. If, if you want to serve, tomorrow I'm going to be digging a ditch and building, and this is my plan now too, I'm going to be, I'm going to be building a retaining wall. If you want to serve, come to my house. There's space for you. I got lunch. <laughs> you know, just looking for different places to be able to serve and to be able to just create that space to love one another, to show to show love. You know, as, as I started thinking about my, I think my wife and I have been here in Connecticut, Connecticut. Wow, wow, wow. Sorry. <laughs> We've been here in Nebraska now, as I started thinking, for a little over four years. For a little over four years. And when I start thinking about some of the deepest relationships that I have and some of the closest connections that I have here in Nebraska, it's with people whom I've done small group with. Whether it be the worship team from youth that when we were meeting when I first got here, um, that worship team I think we have great, and to the small groups that that I've that I've 
that I've worked with, um, to my connections with, with certain youth leaders and individuals that I've shared time with and just been in the same space together, you know, living life together. Some of the best relationships that I've developed since I've been here in Connecticut and my wife would attest to the same thing. Wow, again, geez. Wow. Wow. That's twice. I didn't even really like it. I lived in Connecticut too. I didn't really like it. But anyway, I don't know. <laughs> it's just in the forefront. I don't know why. Now you guys are making me blush. <laughs> Nebraska. Nebraska, Nebraska, Nebraska. Yes. Some of the relationships, it, it really has been through that spending time together, through serving together, you know, being, being shoulder deep in it together, um, pushing through has been one of, some, of the, some of the deepest relationships and some of the deepest connections that I've made. You know, and as God has been ministering this word to me, ministering the word of love one another, you know, that's how others will know that you are my disciples. It's really gotten me to be, to, to think and to be intentional about how can I show my love one to another because because there's power in it. There's power in it. There's power to build up the people that you're showing that love to. I mean, if Jesus himself, before he shared this with his people, he knew what he was about to face. He knew that the coming days were going to be difficult. He knew that he was going to be betrayed by one of those whom he considered to be his closest. He knew all of this was coming. And he decided to serve his disciples by washing their feet and then walking out this process, telling them that they need to love one another and that by their love, others will know that you are Jesus' disciples. It's really gotten me to think, man, I need to be more intentional about demonstrating my love to my brothers. I need to be more intentional about it because others will know that I am his disciple and that opens gateways to conversations. It opens it. It really does. And you are able to easily share about the gospel you know evangelism that's another way that we can show our love one for another through letting people know about the love of Jesus and a lot of it is just through that through the intentionality through the service that we do it's really gotten me to think Chris what steps can Chris take to be able to demonstrate his love that much more what steps can Chris take intentionally to be able to demonstrate his love for his brothers and it's gotten me to, to really want to write these things down. I'm, I'm on that tip right now where I'm writing things down. I'm doing a lot of writing lately. I'm doing a lot of writing. Writing down the steps that God has been putting in my heart so I can go back to it, look at it, and implement it if for whatever reason I'm slacking. And I would recommend that we do that as a church. Even now, you know, think about things that you can do. What are some areas that I can do or what are some things that I can do intentionally to demonstrate love, whether it be through service, through evangelism, or through something else? What are some things that I can do to demonstrate my love for my brothers so that others would know that I am Jesus' disciples? And I want to give you, I want to give you like 30 seconds right now. I want to give you like 30 seconds, and I'm going to be quiet for 30 seconds. While I'm being quiet, the worship team can come up, but I want you to take 30 seconds to think about what are some areas, what are some things that I can do, I being you, to be able to demonstrate my love one for another. Think about this. Think about it. If you have a pen and paper, if you've been taking notes, write it down. If you need to put out memos on your phone, that's cool too. 
But think about steps that you can take. I want you to write it down. I want you to write this down. Steps that you can take to be able to demonstrate your love one for another. You know, this morning I was praying with the FIT team, um, First Impressions team. That's cafe, info desk, and greeters. Um, we were praying this morning for the service, and I really felt like God was just moving in that, that we need to be sensitive. We need to have that discernment, you know, to, to be able to recognize in an individual's face if they need something extra, to be able to go to them, to be able to pray for them. Sometimes something as simple as a, God bless you, man, you're in the right place. That can make a world of difference. That can make a world of difference for somebody who is in a, in a rough spot at the moment. So I've given you some time. Come up with those ideas. And I want you to, to implement that this week. I want you to implement those things this week. That God has been moving in you right now. You know, maybe you feel uncomfortable. You feel like, oh, geez. Is this really what I'm supposed to be doing? And you Thank feel you, that, that, that uncomfortableness within you. Because you feel like God is telling you to do something that you don't necessarily want to do. I would say, write that down. Write that down and pray on it. Write that down and pray on it. A new command I give you. A new command I give you. Love one another 